Listen to these words of scripture. The Spirit clearly says that in the later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. Shall we pray? Father, as we come before you today to listen to your word, and we bow here to pray, that's not just something we do because of custom. We do it because we need your Holy Spirit to speak to us. And we need you to work and to help us to understand what the scripture says and how we are to live in response to it. We need you to show us our sin or error. And we need your encouragement to know how we should walk in a way that is pleasing to you. And so we come and we consecrate this time by the word and prayer. And we ask you to work in us those things that are pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. There are many things in our country that come with warning labels. I think growing up, one of the first things that uh, we probably noticed was we heard about the Surgeon General warnings on cigarettes, for example. That was one of the first areas that our government began to attack and say that uh, these uh, cigarettes uh, can cause cancer. We also see warning labels on medicines, and they have warnings, everything from drug interactions to warnings that this may cause drowsiness or that you shouldn't operate heavy machinery if you take a certain medication. There are warning labels that come on anything that is toxic or poisonous. There are warning labels even on common sense things today, like a cup of coffee you get might have a warning that says, this coffee is hot. Or uh, if you have something that is purchased and it comes in a plastic bag, it may have a warning label that says that this plastic bag is not a toy, you know, and don't use it that way. And, and so we see that there are warning labels on many things. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, wouldn't it be great if we can put a warning label on things that falsely claim to be spiritual truth? It would be great if we could put a warning label on those kind of false claims to spiritual truth to let people know how dangerous they truly are. I think of that every time I go into a Barnes and Noble and I go into the religion section and I see the mixed bag of things that they put there under that heading of spirituality because it has many different um, uh, viewpoints that are represented there. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about some false teachers that had entered into the church in Ephesus and the things that they were teaching that really were seeking to turn people away from God's blessings and enjoying his good creation. And we're going to talk about this from the perspective of the problem first and then the solution. How do we address that? So as we look at what Paul writes here, he tells us first of all that false teaching is a dangerous threat to our spiritual health. And we see that in verses 1 and 2. False teaching is a dangerous threat to our spiritual health. And here's the danger. It can rob a believer of their freedom, of their joy and freedom in Christ, and it can lead an unbeliever to hell. 
that's how serious this is. For the believer, it might mean the loss of experiencing some of the joy and freedom that God has given to you in his word. But for an unbeliever who is not aware of what is going on, it can keep them on the road away from God leading toward hell. Listen to what Paul says here again. When he says that the Spirit clearly says that in the later time, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now, we don't know the exact passage that Paul had in mind here when he was saying that the Spirit had clearly shown him this. It may have been a vision that he had received, or he may be thinking of the words of Jesus himself, who said in Matthew 24, Watch out, that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name. Did you catch that? He says the word many there will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. He warns us that this is going to be part of this age, that there will be those who will come along and they'll say, I'm the Christ, I'm the one that you should follow, I'm the one who has the answers for the world today. And Jesus says no. And these individuals will deceive and lead many astray. When will it happen? Paul says it will happen in the later times, which is not just a reference to the time before the second coming of Christ, it actually is a reference to the church age, the age in which we live, which is why Paul was talking about it then, because they were experiencing these kind of deceivers who had come along even in Paul's day. And what we see is that all through church history, there have been times and seasons when false teachers have come forward. In fact, the word that Paul uses here for later times, that word can mean seasons that there will be seasons or periods in the history of the church when these false teachers will come forward to deceive many. If you look at the United States, and just on that level, in the mid to late 1800s, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, and the Christian Science all started around the same time in the northeastern part of the United States. It was a period when there was a millennial fever going on, if you will, or people were wondering about that, and is this the time when Christ is going to come back? And there were these different groups that all had their ideas and thoughts on that that were not biblical. They were making extra-biblical claims. They had their own book of revelation, they would say, and they led many people astray, and they continue to do so today. But it was a season in which those kind of false teachers came forward. If you look at the 1960s and 70s in the United States, again, there was an influx of Eastern religions into the U.S. And you had the Moonies, you had Hare Krishnas, Transcendental Meditation, uh, groups like Ekankar or other religious groups that kind of came on the college campus scene and into the country, and many people thought, well, hey, this is the way to go with these Eastern religions and philosophies. But it was a time, again, of spiritual hunger. There was a spiritual hunger for truth, but there were many counterfeits also. In the 60s and 70s, many of you may have come to faith in Christ during that time, as God did a significant work on the college campuses through many of the Christian ministries that were there, and there was a harvest that was reaped. But there were also many who have been led astray in that time. And Jesus, or Paul is saying here that that's the way it has been and will continue to be until Christ 
returns. But the danger is that some will walk away from the faith and they will follow deceiving spirits. You see, whenever there is false teaching, there is always a victim, the person who was led astray, there is always a deceiving spirit, which Paul identifies as demons who are behind the false teaching, and there is a human agent. And Paul calls them here, these individuals who had come into the church, he called them hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. That's a pretty strong description, isn't it? But it's a very accurate one. The word hypocritical means that they pretend to be something they are not. They come along and they can pretend to be Christ or pretend to be a savior, but they are simply a false teacher. They are liars. They intentionally deceive others for their own personal gain. And when it says their consciences have been seared, uh, in Greek it means literally that they have been cauterized. They've been so burned over by repeated sin that they no longer feel that what they are doing is wrong. They may have once recognized that what they were doing was wrong. They may have sensed that in their life early on, but because of their repeated sin and going into these areas, their conscience has been dulled. It's been seared as with a hot iron, and they no longer are aware of their sin or how far they have gone. I want to show you an example of that this morning, of a man who, in our country today, he lives in the Houston area, believes that he is the Christ. What's tragic about that is about how many people are following him today in his claims. And when you hear them, I hope that you will see the warning signals all over the place uh, this was shown on one of the ABC News programs, and we're just going to show this uh, brief clip here live for you this morning, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. What's going on here? Followers of a new movement, a provocative new Jesus who thinks organized religion is evil, so he purposely insults it by branding himself and his faithful with the devil's mark, 666. I believe he's the Lord, and that's why I'm putting this sign so... A big man with big beliefs reaching millions over the internet and ministries throughout Latin America and the United States, raising millions of dollars from the fervently devoted. Some are moved to tears at the sight of the 60-year-old Puerto Rican, whose legal name to his eternal pleasure is Jose de Jesus, which means of Jesus. Jesus drank wine because he didn't have doors. <laughs> A Jesus who loves women, married twice, and seems to surround himself with hot followers. These are not models, they are his people in a men's magazine photo shoot. And Jesus walking through a neighborhood outside Houston. Jesus of suburbia. You know, when people think about the second coming of Christ, they think about him coming down from the clouds, from there being a big dramatic entrance. Right. They don't think of a guy in a pink shirt walking down the street in the right. suburbs. That, that's right. Are you the same Jesus that was here 2,000 years ago? Or are you a reincarnation of him? Or are you a new guy? Who are you? The same spirit that was in Jesus of Nazareth. And the same spirit is in me. You have no scars on your hand from being nailed at the I stake, did, do you? I did surgery in Colombia. Yeah. No, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Jesus of the suburbs has a sense of humor 
but he is serious about being the second coming of Christ. And he knows many who hear that claim are not laughing. What has made you famous and infamous to some is that you claim to be Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ man. The second manifestation, the second coming of Christ. That bothers some people that you would say, I'm Jesus. Yes, it bothers a lot of people. His followers do seem happy. Look at this greeting in McAllen, Texas. A seven-piece mariachi band and the faithful with signs calling him Christ. And at the service, a grand entrance. There is music. De Jesus stands in the front row and his more talented devotees sing to him. But when he takes the stage, it is strangely without theatrics. No holy rolling, no laying of hands. In fact, it's a pretty dry lesson in the fundamentals of what he believes. A PowerPoint program on why the Apostle Paul was the only one of the Bible writers who had it right. And it's an upbeat, no-fault, sin-free message. You believe that Paul's word is that sin doesn't exist? Totally. Before the presence of God, there's no more sin. And with no sin, De Jesus teaches his followers there's no need for prayer. Because after Jesus of Nazareth died and was resurrected, one can literally do no wrong in God's eyes. But is murder a sin? It's a crime, not a sin. Is stealing a sin? A crime. And the difference between a crime and a sin is what? Jail, um, what you sow you reap. So the punishment will be here on earth, on earth, but not in heaven. That's it. That's what Paul teaches. Heaven doesn't have to do anything with your behavior. You can always access this webcast by logging on to abcnews.com or on ABC News Now. But did anybody see any red flags there? <laughs> What is disturbing about that is not that there are individuals who make those kinds of claims, but it's how many people will follow them blindly, who don't know the scripture, who don't know what it says about Jesus, his return, and who want to buy into a religion that says, hey, there's no sin, there's